Welcome to Machine Learning. Been uh, very busy working on text summarization, and uh, I actually got it to work a little bit this morning, and then it didn't work. But uh, it does show some potential for producing some results that could be useful. Um, in the case example that I was looking at, it was using a bi-directional LSTM. And so what it means is it was learning from both the detail and the summary. And I was looking at some of the results and they were kind of impressive. Um, and so what I'm thinking is potentially a market would be to create a system that uh, utilizes the LSTM and um, use it for business document summarization. So there's a lot of uh, data that's in, uh, in uh, document form, converted into text, and then summarize the data using an abstractive summarization algorithm and then what make it searchable. So the thing that I find difficult with a lot of technical support is the data has not been summarized into a meaningful context. So you're looking for something um, in specific and you can't and then it returns back the detail and the details being spewed at you and it's too much information whereas you want something that kind of says this is what you want to look at and then go into the detail and spend the time now what's going to be interesting is you're going to have to know the detail logic of a lot of the AI in order for the AI to write the code correctly for you. For example, you're going to need to know about what an attention layer does, what a repeater vector does, what a um, GRU does. Because if you just um, say you build something and it builds it, and you don't understand what those architectures do, you're going to be very confused as to what is happening, how the pipeline is being created. And so you could create a pipeline that you don't understand. The machine will generate it, but you won't understand it. And that, that would be the challenge because you're gonna get a lot of black box pieces of code that Codex wrote for you. I think that's gonna be kind of the challenge too is will you treat the code modules as reliable components like you would a, a NuGet package where you don't actually have to know the details of the NuGet package you just have to know what its functionality is and then use it and as long as the behavior of the NuGet does what you expect then it's considered good that's like also the challenge with AI is that you don't know exactly the functionality and so 
long as it's useful that you continue to use it. The question is, is what is our businesses thinking about AI? Are they looking at it from the presentation where you have avatars that are talking, chatbots, or are they looking at it from performance enhancement like uh, uh, fraud reduction, statistic variation. I mean, how much efficiency can you get from the system by statistical means? So, will things run statistically? Um, so, time and effort is all being measured statistically, and everything is being compressed and and. Uh, reduced down to efficiency metrics. <clears throat> so if that's the case, then automation would be the way everything should run because it would run efficiently. However, it would require lots of investment to get to that point. That's one reason why Codex begins to be, become an interesting proposition. When I've got, I signed up for it. I want to definitely use it. Because you can have now the machine writing your front end. You can have the machine writing the middle layer and the machine writing the back end. So you have all this code generation that is good. I mean, it's, it will be functional code and you can use NLP to, to describe what you want. And the question is, is then you create this code uh, world of what you envisualize the user experience to be and you're transferring a lot of your perceptions <clears throat> of the <clears throat> business processes and interactions to code now, that's something we haven't been able to do i mean if you look at spreadsheets that was really quite a major jump forward because now the individual user had the power to build um, their data presentation. So they could extract the data from the database, they could put it into graphs, they could uh, add their own equations. There were lots of statistical packages that could be utilized to find um, trend in the data and also to test the hypothesis. So you had the scientific process and the null hypothesis and alternative hypothesis approach to uh, making guesses about what was happening in the data. Then we moved to 2021 and we have now the introduction of Codex which um, offers the potential for the machine to begin to build or rebuild um, much of the process. And I, I wonder if in some ways if a lot of the legacy code that's out there that has defined a lot of the business process, if they will look at this codex and say, well, let's use codex to migrate our legacy code. So now it's running on the, the mainframe and they want it to run on the cloud. So they need to build microservices and they need to build the architecture that will do the equivalent functionality. So will Codex be able to translate 
let's say, RPG code that's running with a, a database chain and doing different types of manipulations with the database in terms of CRUD and then has a green screen interface, will it then be asked to build those interfaces in uh, JavaScript and you know, say like it would take a million programmers to take just one UGRP and convert it all to uh, the web. You'd have millions of modules of code and, and potentially tens of thousands of tables. And then the problem is, is could a human being, you know, actually comprehend all of that complexity? Well, I mean, think if you have it in terms of domains and functionality and business processes, they would understand business processes and the flow of information, but they may not understand the technical how-to. Um, and so, again, it becomes an intelligence problem where things have to be searchable. So building a better search engine in the data is uh, a critical way of, of thinking. And uh, the proposition is, is that summarization makes it easier and faster for us to find out and understand what things are, what are doing and why it's important and, and uh, where to look. So that, that's, uh, in my mind, that becomes the potential for Codex is you have GPT-3 that is summarizing information, but then you have Codex that is generating functionality. So then let's say you take, uh, you know, all these different business functions and, uh, and you, you convert the business function into natural language text, which there's, there's a lot of documentation is out there whether the documentation is accurate or not it's difficult to know but uh, you have lots of quality control documentation can codex learn from the uh, quality control documentation what the the different process flows are and build uh, generic process flows that are functional so then you have uh, the codex that's private and public and in the public arena could you build the open source projects that now the world seeking to reduce down cost um, would be able to migrate towards like Python for example we don't pay for a Python language but we utilize it it does lots of different work um, it's very robust but then you have a new language called Scala and it's based on Java, and more commercially based than, than uh, Java, and uh, more scalable in terms of the functionality that it can offer. So will more programmers seeking higher pay move to Scala? And, you know, I've w programmed in C-sharp, and I also program in Python now, and I'm liking the Python because 
I can do lots of complex things with the language that were uh, do, difficult in, uh, in C-sharp. And then the question is, is well, in looking at uh, Python and versus uh, PowerShell and the PowerShell methodology of doing work, which is more along the line of C-sharp, will Python then be the language that uh, Microsoft moves to as the rest of the world uh, continues to adopt and use Python to do a lot of their work. And then with the codex, will codex then be written in Python or will it be written in a robust language like Scala? So, you know, if you're looking at choice and scale and uh, diversity of your code base, do you take your NLP and have it write it in JavaScript, C-sharp, Python, or Scala? My guess is that you would go with Scala because it um, can run anywhere where the Java virtual machine can run. So that would give you a wider platform to invest your time and effort in. And so it becomes this race to see how creative you can be, what you can generate with the machine. And uh, it's kind of this imaginative world where one person with enough knowledge of business could write their own ERP. And then when you have this com competition of a proliferation of code that's now being generated by the machine or by the cloud, um, how do you interact with real people with that software? So you could have devices interacting with devices using uh, code written by Codex and it providing a lot of the functionality that we would see in the world. But then how would people interact with it? Well, I think it will be uh, natural, just like a, a self-driving car. You don't think about all the millions of lines of code that are running in those um, high-powered supercomputers in the car. You, uh, you just um, interact with it in a natural way. So um, machines will have to anticipate the behavior of human beings and then uh, react in a, a natural way because you don't want a car that can drive 300 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone and terrorize people and uh, it would be uh, very risky but yet the machine could be capable of making decisions that fast and and, uh, and navigating uh, at those speeds but should you do it so then the question well yes you could do it if everything was at the same standard of automation so um, in that case where you are at the same center of automation then you just proceed forward that way and the world moves that way so we're entering in this period now where you know, people are going to be skeptical of Codex. They're going to be skeptical of GBD3, which is fine. Um, that just slows them down. But the rest of the companies out there that are 
now utilizing and investing into these products, um, they're getting a lot of reward and the users base is liking the products and the capabilities. And so they get this increased capability at a cost, but the reward for that is, is showing to be profitable. So, you know, in the future, you might come up to your water faucet and you might talk to it and say, hey, turn on the water and move to a weekly schedule of watering for 10 minutes at uh, 8 a.m., noon, and 3. So you just talk to the, your um, device and the device, you know, talks back to you and says, sure, I'll make those changes. And uh, would you like, when would you like that to become effective? And you say, um, next Tuesday will be fine. So it records that and puts that in and sends you a confirmation to your device that it's now adjusted the schedule. And perhaps it even gives you uh, some stats and efficiencies of, of how that watering is taking place during that time. Uh, in terms of evaporation, in terms of uh, water penetration in the ground, etc. And so we're going to expect a lot more information from all forms of devices around us. And uh, it won't just be self-driving cars that are producing lots of information. It'll be your, every device that's useful to human beings will be producing information. Could even be information coming from the fire hydrant, pulling and sending information to the central station as to the uh, constant pressure so that if you know there was any release of pressure um, or an opening of the valves that you know there would be detection and uh, it might even have a beacon so that like if there were a fire it could uh, send an alert to the fire station and then also have some sort of beacon that is making itself aware to the firemen that it's available for usage. So uh, th these are type of things where we can't underestimate uh, the effect of NLP. I think that it's going to change everything. You know, in the next five years, we're going to see a huge uh, movement for automation and for devices to begin to uh, communicate and that's one thing I'm looking for is companies that can provide a low-cost um, hardware pro product that may be solar based so it's dr driven by solar energy um, and it can run algorithms like NLP voice to text text to voice um, text summarization process process uh, generation things like we were talking about with the codex where it's using you know supercomputers to be capable of that reducing that down to the size of a little chip that's on a device that costs almost nothing and so again the the logic and the functionality um, will become something that we You know, when you think about the fact that we have things like stop signs, for example, that 
just have a, a symbol on it that says stop. You know, an, an indication that who would have the right of way. Why in the future isn't that digital? It's monitoring traffic and uh, letting the drivers know when it's safe to proceed or stop or indicate that there's cars approaching and that they need to be aware before proceeding into the interstate. Um, I've seen the, that kind of technology where there was a, there was a fast moving road and then there was a preliminary warning sign that the light was about to change. So it started to blink and I didn't know what that was. And my brother-in-law told me, well, that was a, they put that in in a lot of places in Utah to warn you when the light is about ready to change. As, so you get that uh, few seconds of pre-warning so you can begin your deceleration in anticipation that the light will change so you don't have to um, be faced with a crisis where you're, you're uh, moving at a rapid speed and then the light changes and then you might have the difficulty braking in time to stop. So uh, even with things that are very standardized, um, the world of digital can begin to replace that and, uh, and you have the intelligent navigation that um, is there and so that information will also be used to gather information so you could gather you know rates of speed number of cars frequency at different times of day and so you get kind of a, a replay picture from the data what happens a forensic and uh, that forensic then is stored in large databases and can be replayed uh, for analysis or understanding. Okay.